Thanks for joining us on West Country Women, the new podcast with Alexis Bowater. Celebrating everybody's business and showcasing women across the West Country region. If you're listening, please follow and rate us five stars. Or if you're watching, make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Produced and supported by Fresh Air Studios. What do you mean? Wow. Wow. This is amazing. I think the whole of Plymouth knows I am in town. (laughs) You look great. You just look great. All from Brazil. Are you amazing? (laughs) So talk me through why you're wearing this. Well, when I saw your email about it's going to be filming and recording, I'm like, oh, no, I need to bring it. And when I went to Brazil, which, as you know, wasn't long ago, I was there for the whole of April. (laughs) My sister, who is also my daughter's godmother, was so pleased with the award, so proud. She covered me in presents and she gave me this set of jewelries. Brilliant. Which is, she said, please do wear this for your next award or for your next moment. I'm like, oh my God, what a confidence in me. That's so beautiful. So I thought, what a better moment to bring my family with me and to, you know, something that represents something so much, so special to them and to me. So I came up with the jewelry. The clothes is because it's bright. I'm happy. It's sunshine. Oh my God. I adore the sunshine. So yeah. I'm like, if it's not now, when? It's, it's now or never. Absolutely brilliant. And you've got the Brazil badge. Oh yeah. Brazil badge that I bought in Brazil. Uh-huh. And I have the Brazil map yes. here as well, hanging my necklace. And here is the bracelet I bought in the Christ Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro. Perfect. So my yellow watch that my mom gave me, so matched my yellow trousers. So basically, Plymouth knows I'm around. Yeah. <laughs> Anna, you look absolutely amazing. But what I like is even down to your fingertips. Oh, yeah. Green from the flag. Yes, absolutely. As I said, the moment you say you'll be filming, I'm like, no, 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 I cannot just turn up like this. I need to. I'm going to have to say your sister's going to be extremely proud. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So Anna, take me back to that night of the West Country Women Awards and your win. Talk me through what you remember, because we remember loads. Oh my God, yeah. What a special night. For me and for my family, really, really special. I remember going to the wrong place. <laughs> I remember that and not seeing anybody. I'm like, we're in the wrong hotel. We're in the wrong place. Oh, my God. But anyway, the gentleman explained it was in the ground. So we went back to the ground floor and then found everybody. So it was more relaxing. I remember sitting down and my kids, Mommy, are you going to be upset if you don't win? And I told them, no, just for us to be here. It's a great experience. It's a humbling situation. It's so beautiful. I'm so grateful to have gone that far. So I won't be sad. And they were like, okay, mommy, my son, that's yours. Don't worry, mommy. Like, I told him, calm down. You know, those women are amazing. We are all here, do a very important job, things that we believe in. So, but, oh my God, when they were reading the golden envelope Mm -hmm. and saying that this woman, a woman that went far, they went the extra mile in what they do and named the finalist heroes in my heart was racing. But when she said my name, I'm not joking. (laughs) I think I left this world. I went elsewhere. You know, my brain was like, what? But then I think I said that to you before. I think my husband... He screamed so loud, yes! That's what took me out of back to earth, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, that's me. And then that's you, always smiling, like, did it. <laughs> was very special, very special. And when you said, no, no, you can bring up for me, and they came to yeah. the stage, oh, I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. 
them being there with me and then I mean obviously the speech thing was a bit of a throne I'm like oh dear you said no I want to hear from you how do you yeah (laughs) so it was amazing so there are two things really that come out of that for me first of all what was it why was that so important why was it so different to be recognized in that way for you well I face several barriers one I'm not British in terms of I wasn't born here, so I do have an accent, so I have a different way of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. And it's not always seen as a good thing. And I'm a black woman as well. I live in a rural area which sometimes may not be so welcoming in seeing something or someone different, a different behavior, a different way of seeing the world. So the award was a certification that's okay, super okay to be me. So it was really special. It was like, you know what? That's fine. I can be me. I can be loud. I can laugh loud. I can make my jokes. I can see the world just different and that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. So the award brought that confidence back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gave me more energy and motivation to go ahead mm-hmm. because it's tough. can be very tough. Yeah. Well, you you said so in your speech. I mean, do you remember your speech? You gave an absolutely tub-thumping speech, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, my kids were there. You know, I have them in my mind a lot Mm -hmm. because I truly believe not only my children, but children are the future. We've got to nurture them. Mm -hmm. But the children who are not white, who are not British, who are not heterosexual, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. they will face extra barriers which can make their lives very hard. So when I think about my kids and the barriers they may face, that's what motivates me. You know, I don't want them to go through what I went through. Mm -hmm. I don't want my daughter to be sexualized because she's a black girl. Mm -hmm. I don't want my son to be hostilized because he will be a black man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So having them there gave me the oomph to say how I feel because they are absolutely my motivation. And also the idea of seeing people experience what I experience, I don't want to see that. And that's why I try to work very hard to do not allow that to happen to anybody else, if I can. Yeah. Describe for me and people who are sort of new to this, what you do. Last year, we launched specifically, and for a good reason, the Diversity and Equality Award. But just talk me through what you do, what you achieve on a daily basis, and the reasons why, obviously, you won this. My professional background, I am a social worker. Mm -hmm. I worked in adult social care. So just before the award, I moved to as a comment on the community team migration resettlement team, mm-hmm. which has been a team created in Devon County Council to respond to the influx of people arriving in mm-hmm. the county. So was right up my street, supporting people who are seeking asylum, you know, yeah. and take the anti-racism mentality and behavior to another level, to a wider level, to a strategic level. So I thought it was a great opportunity for me to grow as a person, as a profession. So I applied for that job. I secured that job. I was offered the job. So I've been doing that. But I had my own journey in Mm -hmm. my work where there was a lot of assumptions about me. So for example, the fact that I'm Brazilian, there is an assumption that I can't speak English or I may not be understandable or people may not understand what I say or my accent, whatever it is. And there's an assumption as well that my educational background might not be what's expected of UK. Mm-hmm. Those assumptions are made without even checking with me. Right. Anna, are you okay with that? Anna, how was your background? Whatever it is. So they just write me off from mm-hmm. the word go. So I had my own journey and I became an anti-racist mentor. Mm-hmm. 
So I used to mentor the Devon County Council CEO, mm-hmm. the former one. And that continued. So now I mentor head of adult social care mm-hmm. to support her in that important role Mm -hmm. of modeling behavior, Mm -hmm. modeling and anti-racist behavior. Mm -hmm. So on a day-to-day basis, what I do in terms of diversity and equality is I don't let any opportunity go. There is no such a thing like, oh, no, no, just leave it. Oh, no, not today. No, there is no such thing. Mm -hmm. I'll give one simple example. (laughs) I enrolled in a recruitment film and the script said something that I don't think is accurate, mm-hmm. which talks about how welcoming a particular region may be. Mm-hmm. And I said, welcome to whom? So we need to make that clear. Mm-hmm. So, but if you say that we're in a journey, we are building a fairer workspace, a fair organization, I filmed for you. Mm-hmm. But you say what's like little things, big things. I don't think we can. We are in a position of let it go. Mm-hmm. We've got to make a point. We have to speak up. Mm-hmm. We can't just think like, no, not now, tomorrow, because that can change people's lives. I know so many people who say, oh, that day people said that that really scarred me for life. And I know how it does scar for life. Mm-hmm. And again, because of my experience, I think I'm hypervigilant. Yes. So it's very rare I'm not going to pick up what is yeah. underneath, yeah. which can be COVID racism. Yeah. So I try to challenge discrimination, racism and oppression. Every opportunity I notice it mm-hmm. because I think it's important to do so. You spoke on the night about the biggest challenges that you face at the moment. Just talk me through those. I always say about how inhumane this journey can be mm-hmm. because there's an expectation that, you know what, if I hear from the person who lived experience, that will touch me and then I'll do something about it. I find that so desensitized. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm there to expose myself, to make myself vulnerable, to get something back from you yeah. to get you to hear me, mm-hmm. to get you to hopefully be touched by what I say without any consideration how re-traumatizing that is, <laughs> how painful that might be, yeah. and the completely lack of understanding that racism is generational. Yeah. So I already bring with me a massive charge of yeah. that from great-grandmother, from grandmother, from mother, whatever. So I find that a particular difficult one mm-hmm. where people have the expectation, do you know what, do you want me to do something about it? Tell me about what happened to you. I find that very exposing yeah. and unnecessarily cruel mm-hmm. for me. So I find that's the worst. I think another challenge that I have to go very hard on my challenges because just stating the obvious is not enough. Just talking about ethics, just talking about law is not enough. Mm -hmm. I have to bring research. I have to bring policy. I have to bring my feelings. It's tough. Mm -hmm. It's like I have to constantly overdo Mm -hmm. to get to the point I'm heard, I'm listened to, Mm -hmm. I'm taken seriously. So I find that quite physically and emotionally exhausting. Mm -hmm. So it's another challenge. What you mentioned before, living in a rural area in Devon, which I can imagine is a massive challenge, actually, when we're talking about racism, especially in this part of the United Kingdom. Do you think it's worse here? I don't think I can make that judgment Uh because obviously I can mainly talk about my experience. Yes. And my experience is that there is a sense of isolation Mm -hmm. because I think... Some areas are not as exposed. I would never make a statement to say rural areas are racist because that's not what I mean. What I mean is the lack of exposure, Mm -hmm. some of them. Mm -hmm. For example, when I want to cook my food, 
I have to travel 54 miles to get some of the ingredients. If I want to do something to my hair, I have mm-hmm. to drive another 100 miles to get those things. That's sense. Creates a sense of isolation. Yes. A sense of, you know what? Yeah, if I want some, I have to work 10 times harder to get it because of where I am. Yeah. But then when I lived in other areas, I didn't have that problem because those areas were much more diverse, much more exposed. When I tell my mom some dishes, some Brazilian dishes I cook here, she can't believe. Yeah. Because I said, yeah, I do find ingredients in those diverse areas. Yeah. So I find that that's the difference, really. Mm. Also, in rural area, because of the lack of exposition, you tend to be possibly the few ones. Mm-hmm. So you stand out for the wrong or the bad reasons, depends mm-hmm. on how people perceive you. Mm-hmm. So that can put you in a very vulnerable position. Everyone knows who I am. For the right or for the wrong reasons, everyone knows who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that brings another layer. Very lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Of exposition. What do you think needs to be done? What are your big challenges at the moment? One of the big challenges, I think, as I said, is this idea of, no, we need to raise awareness. We are not ambitious enough when it comes to the other human being. Mm -hmm. We are very, I find, patronizing. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. At least you allow them in the country. Really? Uh-huh. That lack of ambition for mm-hmm. the other human being, I find that difficult. You give a minimum and you complain if the person doesn't appreciate the minimum that you gave and you expect them to be grateful. And nobody's saying that they're not grateful. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be putting limits to one's ambitions, one's potential, one's passion. Who are we to be doing that? And I find that very hard of that idea that it's quite oppressive, to mm-hmm. be honest. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I think we should be way more ambition about the way we address racism, the way we address financial inequality, social inequality. Mm. So I think we should be way more ambitious, not like, oh yeah, no, at least we did that. If you did that and it's not enough, people are not living their full potential, Mm -hmm. that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. We need to do more. What would you like to see happen? As I said, I try to work like the little aunties, (laughs) no little work. And then, well, in terms of my community, I would like to see more proactiveness. I find the responses to racism, to inequality, to inequity really fragile. And usually blaming the person rather than the system. I find that inversion of values and ethics is very difficult. It's like when you turn a victim into the perpetrator. That's so unfair. And I find that a lot. And I think that is, again, lack of exposure, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of personal and professional responsibility and accountability. It's much easier to put on the other than look within and take responsibility for the journey. You know, I see that in schools. I see that in GP. I can give an example if you want. Yes, please. When I was going to Brazil, mm-hmm. I went to do the checks of the vaccination. And the nurse, again, is not about her. It's about the system. Mm-hmm. She came with a list of things I shouldn't do in Brazil. First thing, please do not drink any water from the tap. There. Yeah. This is in front of my two children. Mm-hmm. Please, we don't recommend you to eat any food that's not cooked by you. I beg your pardon. No, she didn't say this. I'm like, really? I am going on holiday. To Brazil. One thing that I'm going to be doing is eating food cooked by others. For God's sake, I need a rest. Yeah. So somebody else's hair. And I tried to explain to her, yeah, did you realize that I'm Brazilian? I was born in Brazil. We learn in school, yeah, the water in the tap isn't treated. Yeah. So you don't drink from the tap. Which is fine. But my point is the assumption that Brazil might be, uh, I don't know, what the way was delivered, the yes. message was very 
ethnocentric. It's like anything outside UK is dangerous. Yeah. Is unsafe. Yeah. There is no health and safety. Yeah. There is no hygiene. Yeah. And I find that very derogatory in yeah. front of my kids. So when you landed in Sao Paulo, when there was food in the streets, my kids, oh, is that the food she said for us not to eat? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. some parts of the trips, I had to undo yeah. that damage done yeah. by that very fixed idea. The unconscious that, bias, yeah. Okay. And that, you know, I see yeah. the world from my lens. The lens Hannah, Anna's just talking about yeah, her. Hannah's fascinating. Okay. Hi, <laughs> carry on. She's just talking about the simple fact of going to her doctor and saying, I'm going to Brazil with the kids to see my okay. family. And the things that they were coming out with wow, okay. about what you couldn't do, which is yeah. just completely preposterous. Not to eat anything that's not cooked by me on holiday. Not to drink the water. Well, she's not to, to eat, eat, eat yeah, salad yeah. because the salad will be washed in the tub yeah. where the water is not treated. Yeah. So everything basically is wrong in Brazil. Hannah, thank you very much for coming along. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's going to be with us until she needs to go. Have you got a timer on your... I've got my watch on. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's, I'm really, really glad you've come along. How long have we got with you? About well? 40 minutes. Oh, well, that's fine. fine. We can just absolutely yeah. riff on that. Have you guys met before? Yes. yes. Well, we were Crabby. there. At the, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. She was in the night and the, you brought your kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. Put the algorithms, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Clever. Clever. It was all great. Got yeah. them working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but both of you brought your children. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. it's really important. Actually. It was really that's really important. So I, we've got both of you. I mean, the winner of the Equality and Diversity, winner of Combating Violence Against Women and Girls. I've already asked Anna, and she's given us a rundown of what it was like to win on the night. Just tell me what it was like for you. Oh, it was amazing. I had my mum there as well, and I had two of my children. And I do think people don't always see some of the stuff behind the scenes. My family do, and I often say they carry the burden of the work that I do. Definitely. And it was nice for them to be able to celebrate a bit as well mm. and be part of it. And mm. I think they so rarely get to see any of the good stuff. They just see the late nights, the early starts, and it was the really tea. special. Yeah, the tears, and the, the tears. stress, and, yeah, yeah. and all you that know, yeah, and it was just you lovely. smiling a lot of the time, but actually, well, <laughs> what you're doing, I should imagine you're in a heap on a regular basis. This, aren't you? Well, I hope not. I mean, I love what I do. I'm really, I feel very, very blessed to do something that I love that feels, I hope, I believe makes a difference. I yeah. do. I genuinely am very grateful. But it's also at times, it's not easy. It does. Yeah. It asks a lot of you and it does. it does. You know, that's the reality, isn't it? It'll come as no surprise to either of you to know that I'm really, really pleased to have both of you here in the studio you know this is the field that obviously I'm quite interested in I'm very invested in but it's not often we get the opportunity to talk to people who are literally at the front line of this stuff did it help you for us to have created these specific categories and to have raised awareness about what you do I think the award catapulted me to a very influential position Mm -hmm. in my organization in many ways and increase my own self-responsibility because it's a good thing. I'm more careful with what I say. I still, I'm very mindful of not losing me in this journey. I don't want to lose who I am, but be mindful that actually people may want to hear. Mm -hmm. So I need to be very responsible in what I say, how I say. So I think the award gave me that visibility Mm -hmm. and credibility Mm -hmm. about what I say and what I advocate for. Mm-hmm. So it was very, not to mention this very special moment, but was, a, as I said, a, a certificate. I got a letter from 
from top people in my organization congratulate yeah congratulating me yeah. about the award and I'm like, you know, like who are these people and then, I, and then people oh no that's the director that's so and so I'm like oh okay so it was very nice mm-hmm. the school my son's school asking me if I could go to the to assembly to yeah. really yeah but Fantastic. I said no because of my son he said mm-hmm. wait until I leave school yeah, <laughs> you can come yeah, but, yeah exactly no. they, they invite <laughs> my teenagers like that as well they're exactly. like just, no, no, no exactly. never no, you, just stay away joke. lady yes yeah. 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 <laughs> but I said but don't you think it's a good thing absolutely not to wait until I leave school so yeah. but yeah they brought that you know yeah. that visibility and I think is very important and I'm trying to make the most of it yeah to support people and support what I believe yeah and for you Hannah I mean I know that you mentioned on the night that you mm. just having that category yeah. made a difference I've definitely seen over the years changes mm-hmm. i remember 10 15 years ago i'd be in spaces or meetings and i'd talk about women and it wouldn't always get people would be a bit long like, oh, you know mm. don't need to have any special provisions or thinking about women differently and i feel like we've come a long way mm. um and so this feels almost part of that journey and it's really important i think for me there's something about really it helps the team to feel sort of validated in their work and Mm. to those that are on the front line that are working so hard and Mm -hmm. it can sometimes feel so relentless Mm -hmm. to have that moment of actually what we're doing is recognised and Mm. none of them do it for the recognition Mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop that from being a special moment for them. Mm. So what you say raises a question for me and this is something that I've been witness to the question or the attitude which is hasn't it all been sorted out yet? Mm. And, you know, why are we still having this conversation? And I've heard it all before. What do you both do? You must have heard that in your working lives when people just say, well, it's all sorted out, isn't it? And what is your response to that? You have to have a certain amount of sort of bounce back ability in this work because they're a constant. So the sort of why hasn't it all been sorted? It's not that much of a problem. Mm -hmm. Of course, my personal favourite, what about the men? And, (laughs) you know, I think that (laughs) (laughs) we, we do. There's so many of those attitudes still out there. But I think what I've seen over the last few years is rather than hearing that noise, I've heard a much bigger and seen a much greater swelling of support and Mm -hmm. people standing up and saying actually this stuff matters to me Mm -hmm. I've seen so many women standing up and said I want to see this change I want to be part of it and increasing number of men that say we want to play our part in overcoming violence against women and girls and that's not just about men who say I've got a daughter I've got Mm. a wife it's men saying actually we want a different society we want to be part of a society that treats women fairly so I don't notice that bit so much but Mm. I am seeing those sort of more people that Mm. hopefully feel like they're part of it which is long overdue this is west country women thank you for joining us so far if you want to learn about the awards our community directory or this new podcast please head to westcountrywomen.co.uk we're on all the social media channels too at the women awards you can find follow and like us on facebook twitter instagram youtube and linkedin and don't forget to follow and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and like and subscribe on youtube Do you think people understand the severity of the situation that still exists? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. In my case, I hear a lot about denial. Mm -hmm. When we had the race equality audit Mm -hmm. in 2022, 
people like, oh my God, really? I just don't know that there is racism. I've never seen you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say. How are you going to say? You're white. Mm-hmm. You're British. Mm-hmm. How are you going to say? No, you need to ask who would be experienced that. They will give you examples morning, afternoon, and dinner if you want. They will give you many examples. So there is that. I think what happens with unfortunately, horrible scenes of George Floyd's murder, mm-hmm. I feel that open a door that's not going to be shut again. Yeah. It's just the pace that we do that change. But mm-hmm. that door, I can't see it, especially as I said, I've been to Brazil. I saw a different movement again. I left Brazil when I was 25 years old. I've never seen massive posters of black models everywhere. Mm-hmm. There are black journalists, black presenters. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. So uh, people proper speaking up, you know, I feel, as I said, that his death, yeah. rest in peace, open a door. I'm very aware that he's not the only one, but he's the one that was yeah. showed around the world. Mm-hmm. And that's one that shocked many people. Mm-hmm. And that opened a tunnel, an avenue that I don't think there's a way back. But why does it take a tragedy of that magnitude mm-hmm. to change things? It's similar to some of the things we've seen with women. It's yeah. the Sarah Everard, where yeah. suddenly people, and I totally agree, why does it take those moments? Yeah. Why does it need to go that far? Yeah. yeah. You want that to stop before, way before, mm-hmm. then getting to the point that mm-hmm. someone loses their life, a community gets traumatized. Yeah. There's a lot of other traumas involved when yeah. you get to that point. Mm-hmm. But then I think you're right, people are so blind to this stuff. And I remember seeing a report on the news a long time ago, and this woman was saying, and I think it was in London, a black woman raising her young son. And mm-hmm. she said, at some point, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to talk to my son about racism yeah. and prepare him for racism. And she mm-hmm. had her, you know small child and I just thought wow that that still for her Mm. is a part of her reality in the same way that for me I've got a daughter and I think what conversations will I have to have with my daughter Mm. and you sort of hope at some point you won't be having to have those conversations with your children I won't with my daughter but I don't feel it's in our lifetime but it might be in your children's my daughters that we Mm. don't have to have those conversations yeah and when something like what happens to George Floyd and many others happen even the stabbings in London which sometimes the media tends to focus on a particular group of people that tends to be black boys which is not a reality could be them but the others as well anyway I cannot only immerse in those news i need to think carefully how i'm going to digest those news to my yeah, son yeah, yeah. who is a black child yeah. and who's going to be a black teenager yep. and he's going to be a black man yeah and how do i work on that so i have yeah. to look after his mental health mm. i have to make sure he's safe and it's tough because it's heartbreak you don't want to see that happening to anybody definitely yeah. not to your children and definitely not your children yeah it's how do you help him make sense of that news yeah. and the world yeah. that he's in. Yeah, and keep himself safe because it is a reality. Mm-hmm. But I find it's a very difficult balance. I watched a documentary where the father said that he dictates what the kid wears. So no hoodies, a black father, <laughs> a black solo father with his teenage black boy. He said, no hoodies, because I know if you wear hoodies, I think they were in yeah. Bristol, mm-hmm. the police will stop him. And there is a risk of him doing this. There is a risk of them taking him, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And the boys say, I just want to wear my hoodie. Yeah. You know what I mean? So those things that may come across as little for others is a big deal yeah. for mm-hmm. who is in the end of racism, of discrimination, mm. and of, of oppression. Yeah. But I think people don't see it in the same way that after Sarah Everard, there were so many conversations where yeah. women were saying, well, I've spent my life walking home yeah. with my keys carried a certain way yeah. and all these things 
that we've done that have made our worlds much smaller mm-hmm. without even... That women do. That women Not do. Women. And women that we've, do. Absolutely. And I've been surprised <coughs> by how surprised men have been when yes. you yeah. share some of this. And yeah. I think there's lots of parallels, aren't there, where yeah. people have had lots. to yeah, modify so mm. many of their behaviours and the yeah. way they live their life to stay safe. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think people don't understand the magnitude of the day-to-day? Do you think it's because they are frightened of it or because we've normalised it or because those stories and case studies just aren't there? I mean, I know that, you know, some of the women that you rescue have been through the most unimaginable torture at the hands of men who claim to love them. And yet when you talk to people about the statistics of violence against women and girls, it's almost incomprehensible to them that the majority of women who are injured at the hands of men are either in so-called loving relationships or have been in loving relationships, or that these statistics are so high that, you know, you have 10 women a week committing suicide because of domestic violence or abuse. You've got two women a week being murdered by their partners or ex-partners. And those are statistics that are still shocking to the general population. How do we change that? And you're right, the prevalence. I think of when at the International Women's Day a couple of years ago, where you invited women to stand up who had experienced some form of sexual violence. Every woman in the room. <laughs> Every was woman in the room stood up. And I think the first part is about shining some light on this and actually having some of those conversations because until we're prepared to see it, mm-hmm. no one will be willing to do anything about it. So I think that's an important part. But I do think there's the bigger picture stuff in terms of oh, I think we live in a society that is massively sexualized, sexist mm-hmm. when you look at the sort of the images that our young people are growing up with when you look at the role models the for, lyrics of the songs oh it's terrible it's mm. terrible for yeah. young men and young women and yeah. it's a bigger picture thing isn't it we should stop the trends oh now let's talk about women oh now let's talk about black now let's, we should stop the trend there's no trend in being I am a black Brazilian woman at mm-hmm. all times. You mm-hmm. are woman at all times. So put your light in a particular time and then you do a bit here and then forget and let's move on to the next. Yeah. Doesn't do anyone any good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to have sustainable, long-term yeah. strategies to keep people safe in the totality of their being. Mm-hmm. We are composed of layers of mm-hmm. our identity, our gender, our ethnicity, our language. So we need to see people in their totality. Yeah. You can't extract a woman and just consider a woman. That woman may be black. Yeah. That woman may be disabled. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. need to respect people's totality and mm-hmm. support them in their totality, not choosing categories of their being that we're going to focus on. Mm-hmm. So what's next? I mean, how do we do that? One, I think we need to remember that when you talk about others, Ubuntu says that I am because we are. We need each other. So nothing's going to change on your own. So we need to remember that personal responsibility as a human being with the other human being, Mm -hmm. even particularly more to those who are different from us, because those are the ones that we tend to ignore because we don't relate. You know, instead of we should be using diversity in its totality of gender, of sexual orientation, of disability, of race, of ethnicity, and many others of social circumstances, we should be using that diversity as a bridge to bring us together mm. rather than segregating. Mm. And that works in different ways. In your space, do what you can. As I said before, who are we not listening to? 
okay, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be most impacted by? What's the impact on that people that you didn't speak about? What's going to happen to those that you didn't even invite to the table? Actually, do we need a table? Let's break the table. <laughs> Let's table. open it all. I'm in. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think that's... <laughs> I'll bring my sledgehammer. You we want need a broken to break a table? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for you, if we're going to have less of one thing, yeah. what do we need more of? Well, I mean... You'd like to break the table. Can I put in a request to smash the patriarchy? Oh, yeah, let's That's what I'd like us to do. And I think that we just need to create more spaces for women to occupy. And someone said to me a while ago, they said, there's enough room for us. And I think there's something about we need to see more women. We need to hear more women. We need to help women feel okay to occupy some of that space. And Mm. I love that little meme God grant me the confidence of a mediocre white male. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not seen that, but please WhatsApp it to me. I will we'll... do, I will do. I meet so many phenomenal women, so many, so many, yet they don't have that belief in themselves. Yeah. And I do meet a few mediocre white men that have a lot of belief and I think actually we need to see a bit more of these phenomenal women we need to be creating space for them to be coming up through and to to nurture them we do Mm. and yeah that's what I'd like to see more of well I guess in a way that's kind of what we're trying to do absolutely absolutely this is it but you know we're only doing this because people like you have sort of steered us in the direction of saying that this is the kind of thing that we need. I mean, years ago, I heard that phrase, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. For sure. And I kind of thought about all the things that I can see, and I thought, I don't really want to be those because yeah. they're all yeah. blokes. <laughs> yeah. But now, you know, you guys are the inspirational role models because people are seeing you and they think that they can be you. Can I ask you, there's always a pivotal moment, isn't there, in people's lives when they're drawn to this kind of thing and they're drawn to campaigning. What was your sliding doors moment? Was the reverse mentoring project I've, it was a massive turning point in my life what happened when there was a project in Devon County Council about the reverse mentoring which is when people with lived experience mentor senior leaders so it's a kind of that's why it reverse yeah, the power yeah, dynamics yeah. Oh, wow. you know they are senior leaders Mm-mm. but you got the power because you have the knowledge and the experience yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's you telling them what to do rather than the other yeah, way around yeah. so they asked for volunteers I put my name up and I was paired with the chief executive. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to have seen that, Anna. And, uh, <laughs> Who was it? Phil Nori. Uh, maybe he'll want to come in and tell us all about it at some point. In the meantime, and, you tell uh, us. <laughs> yeah. So at that same time, because again, when you do these things, like when you do your job, support your women and girls, is there is a moment that you definitely look in. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, hold on a minute, I'm all here. Yeah, you know, do this, do that, read, do, read that. But then when it happened to me, yeah. I didn't challenge. Okay. So that brought to the surface certain experience that I let it pass. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, I need to be congruent. I need to be aligned with my principles and my beliefs. Then I took to another level. I entered a route of challenge formally. The discrimination, the racism I experienced. Yeah, at the same time, mentoring him. And then I felt better. That lack of alignment between me saying one thing, but mm-hmm. when it came to myself, mm-hmm. I accepted mm-hmm. what I I'm that. advocating yeah. for. I'm like, no, I need to join. Yeah. I need to align those honors. I need to align those thoughts and actions. And I did it. It was obviously exhausting, emotionally <laughs> charged, 
But it did. So the reverse mentoring, the mentor of it, the person who brought this to the organization, Joe Hooper, always said, that I can never thank you enough wow. because that rescued mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. rescued who I am, rescued who I want to be. So that was the sliding door moment. Sliding door moment. And for you, Hannah, what? I don't know. I feel like I've always been on a bit of a mission. I remember... Is this crept up on you? Are you trying to tell me that? <laughs> well, I remember I discovered feminism yeah. when I was doing my A-levels and I discovered Marxist feminism. And I remember declaring myself Marxist feminist. So I read about the origins of marriage. It was just like a light bulb. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I remember saying to people, did you know that marriage is quite a sexist thing? And so I remember just starting to read about these things. But then you live your life as a woman Mm -hmm. and you start to experience these things. (laughs) A bit like you're saying, when those sort of things start to come together, you have children and then you experience what it is to lose your place in the workforce. Oh, my and then try and get back into the workplace. and You never do. And you know what? And I remember reading about the domestic labour mm. and how women with careers and in the workplace are still doing X number of hours of housework. And then you sit in your own life and, <laughs> you know, yeah. you see all of these yeah, things. For me, it's this lifelong journey yeah. of just seeing the injustice, I suppose, yeah. and... Where I struggle with it so much. The unfairness, isn't it? The unfairness. But also, I see, and I said it just now, so many phenomenal women. I just meet so many. I rage at what they've experienced at the hands of men. And some of them that will forever live their lives in the legacy of male violence and harm and abuse. And I just think something has to change. Something has to change. In that, if you're not careful, you absolutely no more than me can be generational yeah isn't if it's not addressed in that with those women that is very likely to that behavior witnessed Mm. by children then so on so forth so well what what really disturbs and distresses me anna is i meet so many women that never had childhood in terms of their childhood was full of fear abuse and harm and then when they go on to have children, they aren't able to keep their children because of what's happened in their childhood. And that, for me, just seems so cruel. I've loved being a mother most of the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but I meet women and the, yeah. the sole reason they aren't able to be mothers is because of what happened to them yeah. in childhood. Usually at the hands of men. Yeah, the injustice, the unfairness of that. Cruel legacy. Isn't it? it is. Very it really is. It, it is. really is. It is a cruel legacy. But as you say, it's generational. We can get more technical, but then you suddenly get into the perpetrator-victim scenario, don't you, and the rolling. What would you like to see done? You know, if you had infinite money and infinite magic wands, how do you think the best way of addressing this? There's a paradox here, isn't there, that we have invisible women while simultaneously we have visible women. And it's not fitting and it's not doing anyone any favours at all. So the first thing I would do, Alexis, is I would see an end to the porn industry. That would be gone. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good start. I think Mm. that is where our sort of next generation of young people being raised on pornography is a bad thing for society. Mm -hmm. So I'd certainly get rid of that Mm. and create space for women to shine. Mm -hmm. Anna? Schools. 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 Is this the dream? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Schools should be more to decolonize the curriculum. 
to understand the world is much more diverse. There is a particular focus on, mm-hmm. how can I say, turn certain cruelties in humanity mm-hmm. into a positive light. I can say many things here. Empire. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There are plenty of examples where you just look from one angle and usually it's the angle of the perpetrator mm-hmm. rather than understanding what that meant to those who were exploited, who those who kidnapped from yeah. their countries mm-hmm. to serve those who had the power at the time. So I think that's one thing because that will bring the change in language, will bring the change yeah. in what we are teaching our kids, mm-hmm. you know, how we address the situation is going to normalize the conversation, the challenges. Mm-hmm. I think kids, I truly believe nobody's born in a, that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they learn that. Mm-hmm. So let's unlearn that mm-hmm. by being more critical in the way we educate our children. Mm-hmm. Because at this moment in time, because we don't have a robust critical and reflective education, what we have is like terminologies, like, say, for example, black humor. You know what I mean? There is a perpetuation of that association of the black word being associated with what is negative, Mm -hmm. with what is inferior, with what is not good enough. Mm. I'm really conscious that Hannah's going to have to leave in about four minutes. Is that correct? (laughs) So what I'd like to do is run through some quick fire questions at the end. I also would invite both of you back when we do this and we'll have some longer conversations next time we have time together. But because you've got to go, what I'd like to do is just quickly whiz through three things I want to ask you. Yeah. If you had a book to give to everybody, what would it be? One of my classics would be Jermaine Greer, Female Eunuch. Yeah, got it. That's one of the first ones that I read. Should be compulsory. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it should be compulsory. Um, So I'd certainly have that as a start of a 10. But for us ladies of the sort of maturing Middle Ages, Hags. Oh, I haven't read it yet. <gasps> read it, okay. read it, read it. I was listening to the audiobook when I did the Plymouth Half Marathon. Oh, yeah. I, any photos of me that have sort of like, just powered me through. It was fantastic. <laughs> it's the demonisation of middle-aged women. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you very much. I've read one. I'll read the other. Anna. I'm from Brazil, so mm-hmm. I would say... I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Okay. Oh, yes. yes. I forgot her name. I'm so sorry, but it's quite popular. Yeah. It's yeah. very, the examples, the yeah. author, yeah. Um, she gives on the book is so powerful. Don't apologise. Do you know, you've just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not remembering her oh, name. Oh, okay. <laughs> for not remembering the author's <laughs> name, you know. I was thinking that's very unusual no, for you. No, 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 for her name. But uh, it's amazing. It's a great book. And in Brazil, I would say Casa Grande Sazala which talks about the history of what the colonization did to Brazil, okay. where you have the Portuguese coming yeah. bringing Africans from yeah. West Africa to work in the sugarcane plantations and how that shaped Brazilian society. Mm. Second question. What would you say to 12-year-old Anna? What would the woman say to the girl? You can do it. <laughs> you always can do it. Believe in yourself, absolutely. That's what, although the 12 year old was on fire already. (laughs) But yeah, that's what I would say. That's what I tell my daughter, who is 10. Good. Hannah? Very similar. Be brave. Do it. That's awesome. Final thing. Quickly pick a question. Ah, very exciting. Thank you. This is just, we're just on a slightly lighter note. We're finishing this. (laughs) You can ask that to either Anna or me. Oh, Anna, what's your guilty pleasure? (laughs) 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 Oh dear. Sitcoms. Oh, which all one? of them. Oh, really? <laughs> oh my God, yeah, all What's of them. What's your favourite? 
Friends, Sex and the City, Bring It On, the movie, the series. I need to be able to switch off and see something that doesn't get me to think too much. I need to (laughs) calm down, you know what I mean? So I like that. That's my good pleasure. Hannah, Mm -hmm. if you could send a message out to the entire world, what would it be? Oh, flipping heck. I mean, at the moment, because this is something that I'm really focused on, but it would be talk to your young people about pornography. That would be that, mm. which isn't sort of inspiring or uplifting, but I think really important. I don't know. I think Necessary. it's as if it's going to be our next big project, yeah, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Thank you both very much for coming in. Thank you for being our winners. You are absolute champions of combating violence against women and girls and diversity and equality. And you are the role models for the next generation coming through. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to see more of you, I'm sure. <laughs> If you want to find out more about the West Country Women Awards or nominate someone for next year's ceremony, visit westcountrywomenawards.co.uk. The West Country Women Podcast was presented by Alexis Bowater. Copyright West Country Women Awards CIC. Produced and supported by Fresh Air Studios.